Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Robin Udegaard, who is a former competitive beach volleyball player and has spent her career using goal achievement psychology to motivate, inspire, and focus her clients on achieving success. Along with her husband, Russ Bruzano, they are the co-founders of the Whole Food Muscle Club Club and co-authors of How to Feed a Human, the Whole Food Muscle Way. So, Dr. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So what inspired you and your husband to put this book together? Uh, well, we, you know, we started on this path of being healthier. And it's funny to say that because we were both competitive athletes, so we thought we were really healthy. But you get to a certain um, point in your life and your body suddenly doesn't work the way it used to. And so we went on a mission to figure it out. And when I did, people started noticing and started saying, can you help me? And it got to the point where... Um, more people were asking than I could possibly help on, in, a, in my lifetime. And so I thought, what if we created a book? What if we wrote it down? And so that's what we did. And we wor- worked on it together. And it's the first book I've written with my husband. And it worked out really well. So we're really pleased with it. So when, when you were, um, you know, competitive and thought you were eating well, what, what were you eating? Um, both of us kind of ate basically the Mediterranean diet, that that's kind of what we thought was healthy. You know, we had the proteins, which we used to think were super important, and we had the starches, we had the vegetables, we had the fruits, and, you know, as I got older, I started doing what most people do. I started doing the portion control thing to try and make sure that my um, weight stayed where it should, and it just stopped working, and my gut stopped working, and I remember going to the doctor and saying, my GI tract is broken. And uh, she was like, yeah, you're getting old, though. That's just the way it happens. And I'm like, that can't be right. It can't be right that our bodies stop working as we age. Um, well, well, I definitely agree on you. I think that, you know, the age part can can be an, an excuse. Um, you know, I, I mean, this isn't about the diet part, but when I was 20, I was told I was young and I would get over my symptoms. And when I had mm-hmm. uh, chronic neurological Lyme, which isn't recognized in the healthcare system in Canada, I was told, you know, you're 30 now, you you this is the way it is. And I'm like, if this is 30, I don't know what 60 and 70 is going to be because they can't get out of bed. And and I think that, you know, they're, they're missing that a, a link somewhere of, of what's going on with people, you know, to just say, oh, this is the way your body's going to be when we know that you could be so much more. I completely agree. And my, my doctor even went so far as to tell me, you know, you're over 40. This is how it's going to be for you. And you, you need to start accepting your new body. And she recommended that I go see a psychologist for my body dysmorphic disorder. And I said to her, I am a psychologist. I don't have body dysmorphic disorder. I'm overweight and my gut is broken. That's not in my head. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, it, it's and, and I've seen that happen with with other people as well. They either gain weight or they lose weight and, and they're not able to do anything about it. And their doctor tells them they have an eating disorder when in actuality there is something inherently wrong with their food. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what is the diet that you are doing now? So for the Whole Food Muscle Club, what we recommend is um, at least 80% plant-based. And I say at least because um, we uh, originally planned on doing 80% and we felt so good we ended up being 100%. And now what we're seeing is the same thing happens with our clients. Um, I recommend they go 80% and then they're like, I feel so great. So um, 80% plant-based. For people for whom it's appropriate, um, we like to include intermittent fasting. It's not appropriate for everyone. For people who have really damaged their metabolism by doing a lot of yo-yo dieting or who have disordered eating caused by years of doing portion control dieting, um, it's not appropriate. So it's not, intermittent fasting isn't appropriate for everyone, but for those that it is, it's, you know, a great way to allow your body to heal. And then, of course, exercise is a huge part of 
the whole food muscle way of going through life because it's important to us and we find it's important to our clients. Not for weight loss because exercise doesn't cause weight loss. It actually can make you heavier because it makes you hungry. But just to be healthy, exercise is super important. Well, you know, and I, and I agree with that. So let's talk about, um, so you said you were eating Mediterranean diet before. And do you find that most people are, um, I, I mean, that you were eating pretty healthy because you were both athletes. So you were probably choosing things that were considered on a healthier spectrum. But are most of your clients in that same category or are they having what we call the standard American diet? Yeah, most of our clients come to us from the standard American diet or from some other fad diet. You know, pretty much everybody's been on a fad diet somewhere, but a lot of them are eating a standard American diet that has a lot of the highly processed, highly pal- palatable, what I call fake food in it. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges our clients have is that getting, um, getting that fake food out of their diet. Well, you know, I I love that you're saying that because I I was speaking at a conference this weekend and I, I, you know, it came to the part about let we have to recommend diet. And um, I actually don't recommend a a very dramatic diet. I recommend real food, which which can be Mm -hmm. very dramatic for people. You know, we can get complicated and this and that and let's do, you know, this fad diet, as you said. But I think that most people do well on those diets because of the standard diet that they're starting from has so much sugar in it and so much of the chemicals that are causing them harm that when they switch over to any other fad diet that does contain, um, that cuts those out, they're going to feel better. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's, you know, we say all the time in our, we do a daily live and we say that the whole food muscle way is eat real food, mostly plants. That's kind of the (laughs) bottom line to it. Um, So when we're talking about standard American diet, can you just lay out what that usually looks like? So the standard American diet usually has a lot of processed meats in it. I'm talking about the hot dogs and the bacon and the deli meats. Um, It's got a lot of snack foods that, um, you know, are shelf stable, things that they buy. People always say, read the ingredients. Um, Most of what we tell people to eat doesn't have ingredients. It's like sweet potato. That's not, you know, that's, that is an ingredient. It's not, doesn't have ingredients on the packaging. But the standard American diet, a lot of box food, a lot of fast food, a lot of processed meats. Um, And we joke, but when you look at commercials for standard American food, try to find a vegetable that hasn't been fried. It's almost impossible. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, and what is this diet doing to to people? Um, so, it's it's not really so much a diet as it is changing the way they look at food and the way they think about food. But we have we have a client who's lost over a hundred pounds. We have a client who has reversed his type two diabetes. And when I say reversed his type two diabetes, I don't mean that he's hiding the symptoms. I mean he legitimately no longer has type two diabetes. So that's a very different thing. Um, we have clients, myself included, who their gut is better. Like, my gut is no longer broken. Like, I feel like my GI tract works like it's supposed to, finally. And, and I'm not bloated. I'm not miserable. Um, I'm, not, I'm not stressed about food anymore. Um, and it just, it, people say to me all the time, it just makes me happy. And I don't know how you quantify happy for potential clients to say, if you join the Whole Food Muscle Club, you'll be happier about food. Like, how do I quantify that? But that's one of the things that I hear from people is they just feel happy with their food and their life again. Which is pretty amazing. So when they were eating the the standard American diet, what would that have typically looked like? So say your client that lost 100 pounds, what were they eating before they started? They were eating kind of all the things that I, you know, that I mentioned. She, she's very busy. She's an entrepreneur. She was definitely one of those people that would grab food when she could and whatever was available, that's what she ate. You know, if, if the office brought in pizza, she ate that. If they brought in bagels with cream cheese, she ate just whatever was available. And I think for a lot of people, they think that their health is an inconvenience. Like the way that they feed themselves is an inconvenience. They don't, they don't think about food. They don't want to think about food. They don't want to spend time on food. And so they eat whatever's quick and easy. And unfortunately, quick and easy is very rarely healthy. 
I well definitely agree on that. It, and I think it, it can be healthy. I just think that what's offered isn't healthy, and that there is a trend right. changing that we have places that now you you can get you know healthy salads and bowls and stuff. But you know, um, ten years ago or or more, eat, eat quick was I got to go for fast food. I'm going to get a burger, burger and fries. You know that kind of thing. It was very difficult to get yeah. um, something quick, easy, and healthy. Right, yeah, and there's kind of three things that I ask people to think about when it comes to how they feed themselves, and part of that, the first one is what they're eating. That's, you know, what you eat is super important. When you eat, you know, are you eating it it, it, when you're actually hungry, or are you eating because you have a habit? And then why you eat. I think a lot of people don't realize that they have an emotional relationship with food, and and they eat for reasons other than nourishment. And so those three things, what to eat, when to eat, and why to eat, are really important. Um, so I, I agree on that, and we're going to get into that. Um, I, I want to talk more about when people first come to you. I think this is really important yeah. because I've done a lot of, you know, coaching on on diet changes and stuff, and I I know that there is resistance um, for for many reasons. So what kind of what do you see as the reasons for people to resist making these changes? Um, well, so people usually come to me when they've reached the point of, I've tried everything else, I'll try you. And th- that for me is kind of a little bit heartbreaking. I wish that they would try, they would come to me sooner, which I'm sure you have the same experience. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the pushback I get is, um, I don't have time. And, you know, it, the, you probably know this, when you change your diet, there's a learning curve. When you change the way you eat, there's a learning curve. And we've all been taught to eat from the time we were itty-bitty from our parents, and so it becomes so ingrained that that learning curve looks daunting. So they're, they're a little bit overwhelmed by the, by the learning curve. And so the, I don't have time is one of the things. Um, the other one I get a lot is I don't like vegetables. I hear that one a lot. And I'm like, well, that's because your taste buds are, are tuned to the salt, sugar, and fat that is the standard American diet. If we can clean that up, you'll like vegetables just fine. So that's a big one I get is I don't like vegetables. And then um, a third one is, um, and it comes in different forms, but the social aspect of eating and how people feel like they don't want to be the weird person. They don't want to be the person that has this super restricted diet. They don't want to have to not be able to go out. And I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Like I go out, I have friends, I, you know, it's fine. It, it, you just have, it's a learning curve. So those are the three things I think that I run into the most often. Um, you know, which I think are really important and the taste bud part I want to talk about because, you know, I, I remember noticing this the, the very first time that I changed how I was eating. It was before I was, you know, doing this. Um, I had to for my health. I cut out sugar and um you, you know, I did notice if, and I still do, when I have sugar, I'm like, this doesn't taste right. Like, it actually, white sugar mm-hmm. has an aftertaste that I just can't deal with. Um, so I have no desire to eat those things. But one thing I also found, uh, the social aspect of the eating, it's not, you know, that I can't go out, even if you find a way to go out. I find other people were uncomfortable with the choices that I was making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I attribute it also to the same thing that when, if, if you are a person who doesn't drink alcohol and you go out with people who do drink alcohol, they feel judged by you because they're choosing to drink. I think we, I see the exact same ha- thing happening with food, where people who eat the standard American diet feel judged by people who make other choices, and so that becomes a, can, can become a, a very ugly conversation where people um, are very aggressive about it because they feel judged by it, and it's an, it's an interesting psychological dilemma. Yeah, you know, I, I had a conversation uh, quite a while ago on this show. Uh, it was about addictions. And um, the only theory that we could come up with was that there is the, you know, people feel judged, but maybe they want to bring you down with their addiction because they haven't let it go yet. And, you know, I find it interesting when I go out places because I'm not judging other people. I don't know where they're at and and, it, and it's their decisions and their body to, to eat and consume what they want. Um, you know, even if they had come to me, I, I've given them advice and it's their, their prerogative to follow it or not. Or maybe they're just having a treat or they're whatever, you know, I don't know. Um, so if I I see somebody doing something, I'm not judging them. And I think that's also important when we make these decisions to follow certain guidelines is to not judge other people for not being in the same place we are. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. And we, we have that happen when we go out at events. People, you know, want to hide their plate from me. Don't judge Don't judge, judge me. I don't, I'm not judging you. We bump into people in the grocery store. Oh, don't look at my grocery cart. You are a grown adult. I just share information. What you choose to do with it is up to you. I have no judgment on it at all, ever. Well, as as a psychologist as well, that that shame must be interesting to you because they're, you, you know, they're they're not proud of what they're doing, and I think it's important for us to assess our shame around food. Um, I don't think there should be any. Actually, I think if you want to go to McDonald's and you feel good about that, there shouldn't be shame about that. I think that brings a whole other level of how bad this food is for us, um, that emotional part. But you know, our decisions we should be proud of them. Um, and then if we're not, we should assess why we're not and, and address that. And which I'm sure you and I could talk a whole other show on that, which we probably won't have time today. <laughs> but, but you know, it's important if you feel shame about something you're doing to assess why and, and if that shame is appropriate as well, because it, sometimes it's not. And that is something that we, you know, in the why you eat kind of category, that cognitive dissonance, that when you make a choice that's different than what your brain wishes you would make and that cognitive distance, that shame you feel and why that happens is something I dig into with a lot of our clients because it's a huge component of choosing to be healthy. Oh, I definitely agree. Um, let's talk about this more when we get back. We're going to take a break. Um, we're talking today with Dr. Robin Odegaard and we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Dr. Robin Odegaard, and she is the co-author with her husband of the book, How to Feed a Human, the Whole Food Muscle Way. So, Dr. Robin, before the break, you mentioned the words cognitive dissonance. Can you explain what that means? Yes, absolutely. So, cognitive dissonance is a really fancy way of saying when when you make a decision to do something and then you, you do something different. So, for example, something that might cause cognitive dissonance is saying, I'm going to start this new diet on Monday. And then Monday comes and you don't do it. And then on Monday night, you're like, oh, you feel really bad. And that, that uncomfortable, annoying, like you mentioned, shame, frustrated, all those kind of negative um, emotions that happen when you want to do something and you don't do it, that, that's what psychologists call, call cognitive dissonance. 
Well, and this is is really common when it comes to food. It's 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 you know, especially as you said, you're not changing, you're not doing a diet. You're actually changing your relationship with food. So it's not something that's going to happen mm-hmm. overnight. So if it's that one day it doesn't work, I mean, life is going to go on. Um, and you know, I I do tell my patients this as well because I get them coming in. They're like, oh, you know, I did cheat a couple times. I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't really like that word because that brings shame. But also, like, how did you feel? about it and what did you do and did you and you know were you out with friends and enjoyed yourself or did you feel really sick after when you had that certain food that we know bothers you and you know then that brings awareness to them about what they're doing and why and you know if they enjoyed a night out with their friends and had fun and had a few glasses of wine I mean life goes on and you really need to have that enjoyment as well. So so do you talk to your your clients about finding that kind of balance? Well, I, I love that you don't like the word cheat. I absolutely detest that word when it comes to food. You know, it's, it's not like you're a bad person and you, you know, are a naughty and we're going to get, you know, slap your fingers. That's not, that's not how this is. This is about mm-hmm. a learning. And I, I remind my clients on a regular basis, it took me eight months to make this change myself. Um, when I decided that I was going to figure out, and I and I learned, you know, this food bothers me, and if I eat, I went out late in our, our transition, I went out, my husband and I decided we were going to have nachos at a place where we used to eat nachos because, you know, it was a treat, and we were going to enjoy it, and I got there, and I actually asked the manager, what did you do to the cheese? And what I realized is my taste buds had changed so much that what I used to think was cheese was actually plastic. And that for me was a real aha moment. And I think every client I've ever worked with had an aha moment like that. And the guilt and the shame and the cognitive dissonance doesn't help you get to those aha moments that they, you have to allow yourself to learn. And that's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly why I just say, okay. And I, I mean, I don't shame them for having strayed, especially if they say they only did it like two or three times. I'm like, oh, well, you know, and, and, um, and then I ask them how they felt so that they can have that awareness themselves. I'm not going to tell them off. I'm not going to say they did something wrong and, oh, you ruined your whole treatment plan. I, you know, just how did it feel? Was it good? Was it not? You know, let, let's bring awareness to the foods that are working for you and the ones that aren't so that they can see that themselves. And I think that's actually really important. Um, And I think 99.9% of the time, people do stray from whatever their plan is, which is totally Mm -hmm. what I think is human. Um, And, uh, and they should have those experiences to remind themselves of why they're doing what they're doing. Do your clients um, ever say to you, oh, don't be mad at me? I, I get yes. that a lot where my clients say, don't be mad at me. I'm like, I'm not mad at you. I'm not <laughs> I've never been teacher. mad at anybody for for not following right. through or like being human is really, there's actually in my, my new patient package, I have a section on um, not to be upset with themselves because they are human and their follow through is not going to be perfect and that's okay. I've given them permission not to be perfect. Um, and, you know, but we still have this, this human nature to to want to be perfect and and you know I think we're it's really difficult uh, personality to, or trait to, to battle because it's very rare people don't feel that yeah I agree and I think that um, you know people I have to remind my clients that making that step in the right direction is a step in the right direction and that's that's what our goal is, is, you know, every day, if you can be 1% better or even half a percent better than you were yesterday, you're making huge progress. And maybe, okay, maybe today you are 2% worse because you had a really blowout day. But overall, over the course of the month, you're X percentage better. You're moving in the right direction. You know, I always say you can move any mountain with a teaspoon as long as you keep moving it. Exactly. Well, and if you want to use the, the mountain analogy, you don't end up at the top in one day you know, or one, mm-hmm. one minute, you're, you've got to work towards what you're doing. Now, um, when, when you started to, to move towards a more plant-based diet, did you just overnight go, okay, this is where we're going to be, let's go shopping, and this is what we're going to do? Or how did you achieve that goal? No, that we didn't, we didn't, we joke and say we didn't go cold turkey, and we didn't go whole hog. Um <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because it's plant-based diet, turkey pot. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. No, what yeah. we did is we kind of made the decision that we would um, start adding more plants to our diet, whatever that looked like, you know, more starches, more green leafy vegetables. 
Um, we would finish up the food that we had in the house. And then our goal initially was that at home, we would be plant-based. But if we went out or if we went to friends' houses or if we had friends over, we wouldn't worry about it. That was kind of our initial, this is the goal we have. But what we realized is that, like I said before, we felt better eating plant-based. But also, I think a big aha moment for me was we had some friends over for dinner and I made them turkey tacos, and Russ asked me, um, will you make bean tacos as well because I don't want to eat turkey. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure, that's easy. So I just made everything and just had made beans and, and turkey. And at the end of the night, I had a lot of turkey t- um, left over, and I, I said to him, I'm like, are we going to eat this? And I, I grew up really poor, so for me, throwing food away is a huge no. Um, but he said, I don't think we are, and we talked about it, and I couldn't find anybody to, to take it, and I ended up throwing it away. And what I realized in that moment was if I feel like food is so unhealthy for me that I won't eat it, even as a leftover, that I'm willing to throw it away, why am I feeding it to my friends? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, you know. And and I and obviously they were okay with, with the bean part of, of the meal, and, and um, mm-hmm. I think it would be no different. You said you went to a friend's house and didn't worry about the choice you were making, and they were feeding you meat. It should be should go both ways, I think. You know, make, At this you point, know, we don't have that. Yeah. Like our clients all feed us beans. It's you know, our, our friends and clients all feed us <laughs> yeah. beans. They're like, no, I made this for you. I want you to try yeah. it. And now you know. I tell people all the time, come over, I'll feed you plants. Yeah, <laughs> I'll feed you plants. So now we're talking about plant-based diet, but we haven't actually explained what that means yet. So can you just walk us through? I mean, we know what, what people are eating and everybody knows the standard American diet isn't good. It's full of chemicals and it's deep fried and, you know, they're, it's all white, basically. If people were to look at what they're eating, they would find it's kind of a beige color and, you know, mm-hmm. like the burger bun and the fries and the chips and the, all of that kind of stuff. But when you're doing this diet, what would that look like in a day? So a lot of people ask me, is this diet vegan? And yes, kind of. Um, and I, I say that because vegan is an ethos and eat, what you eat is part of that ethos. Being plant-based doesn't have the same ethos as being vegan. So being plant-based is about only what you eat. Whether you choose to wear leather or have leather seats in your car is not ba- has nothing to do with eating the whole food muscle way. It's that's not it. That's about being vegan. So when you when I talk about eating plants, I mean eating whole plants, the way they come out of the ground in all the beautiful colors, eating the starches and getting all the spices. Like you can create a lot of amazing flavors with spices and sauces that are low in oil, but also we try to um, limit the amount of processed food that we, we eat. So, for example, Oreos are vegan. I would not recommend people eat them. They are not a health food. Um, oil is another one that people are like, no, olive oil is good for you. Not entirely true. Olive oil is better for you than lard, but overall, oil is 100% fat. It's better that you go ahead and eat the olives. So, you know, trying to eat the whole food as much as possible and then eating plants the way they come out of the ground. Um, which I think is is what we're, we're meant to eat. I mean, eat real food, obviously, not processed food. Mm-hmm. Our bodies don't really know what to do with that. And and we there are a lot of theories of why what's happening with obesity and metabolic syndrome and, and type 2 diabetes, why this is uh, emerging. And everybody knows it's the food's the problem. We just don't have 100% of an answer um, because I've, I've done a lot of shows and, and everybody says the food's the problem. And so we agree uh-huh. on that part. And, um, you know, I, I think even if people just change it a little bit or they just start this slowly, they're going to see some changes in how they're feeling. Because if you just, you know, if you cut back on your fast food or you cut back on your sugars, you're going to feel better, especially if you are introducing more food and more colors. You know, I said standard American diet is beige. And I'm guessing that your diet is a rainbow of colors on the plate. Oh, yeah, we post pictures um, in our Facebook group, the Whole Food Muscle uh, Facebook group, of what's for lunch. And people always comment about, there's so many colors in what you eat. And that's true. There, there really is. It's, it's all about getting, getting the colors. And for us, sometimes my plate gets overflowing because I'm like, oh, that has great nutrients. Let me throw some of that on. Oh, that has great nutrients. Let me throw some of that on. And it's nice because I don't have to worry about calorie counting. I don't have to count ma- macros or micros. I don't count anything. I just eat real food. 
So, um, when when you eat the real food, now one thing um, you know that I know that happens, especially with fast food and the grease, it actually will um, make people hungrier and they end up craving more. Um, how do you feel when you eat your meals? Do you feel satiated? I mean, you're not eating meat, and a lot of people think that that's what you need to feel like you are full. So, how are you feeling after your meals? Right. So what happens when people eat a lot of the standard American diet and eat a lot of grease is they end up with uh, calorie rich. So they have lots and lots of calories, but nutrient poor. And so your body needs nutrients. And so your body says, great, I have all these calories. I'll store those as fat, but I still need some nutrients. So please feed me more. And then you feed them the same, you feed yourself the same thing. And you end up with this cycle where your body's begging for nutrients and all you're giving it is calories. We have exactly the opposite situation where we're giving our body tons of nutrition, but not tons of calories because whole food has fiber in it, which is great, which is why my gut works again. Yay. Um, And so we get tons of nutrients and the fiber that makes us feel full. And so we are always satiated. Our, Our breakfast, we call it oatmeal. It's actually way more than just oatmeal. It has blueberries and seeds and spices and all kinds of fun stuff in it. Um, fills me up and I'm happy with that for probably six hours before I'm ready for lunch. And then I have, you know, a a beautiful salad. And I hate to say salad because people think plant-based means only salad, but I always want to get my greens in and I find I do that best at lunch. So salad with tomatoes and peppers and black beans and maybe some barley and, oh, makes me think about lunch right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're making people hungry, I'm sure. So, um, you know, I think people can get around having the oatmeal for breakfast, but, you know, especially where I live, I live in, um, there's a lot of meat eaten in, in Alberta. What would you have for dinner? Oh, so for dinner, um, I actually, I like to batch cook on weekends. And so this weekend I made a batch of really hearty pea soup, obviously plant-based, no ham in it, but pea soup. Um, and I put kamut in it, which is an, um, an ancient grain, kind of like barley. So it gives it that chewy flavor that kamut has. Um, and it's, it's so filling, stick to your bones, great for fall and then, you know, we have Russ's rustic bread, which he has a bread recipe that's it's basically everywhere. If you download our starter kit from the Whole Food Muscle Group, if you get our book, it's the recipe on our website, thewholefoodmuscleclub.com. Um, his bread is one of the best things ever, and we eat it with hummus. I make roasted tomato hummus. I make roasted red pepper hummus. I make just regular hummus. Oh, so yummy. And then fruit. We used to have, we like to have fruit for a dessert, and sometimes I make ice cream, which is frozen bananas with other fruit mixed in, to get kind of an ice cream consistency. Well, you know, it sounds like you guys have gotten really creative because, like you said, most people think plant-based. Oh, I'm just going to be stuck eating salads and, you know, steamed broccoli and and a big plate of all of this stuff, and and you know, they get. Um, turned off even without looking into it more but um, it sounds Mm -hmm. like you guys are having a lot more fun with it oh we are one of my favorite things to serve um, our friends is sweet potato lasagna they come over and they're like this is amazing and there's word like people have heard if Robin invites you over get her to bake sweet potato lasagna so (laughs) there are so many things that you can make that are so yummy and so palatable and so filling and loaded with nutrition and you're going to feel better. You're going to weigh your ideal weight. You're going to have more energy. You're going to sleep better. It's amazing. Um, Which is really encouraging. Now you're both athletes and I know that one of the things people are probably thinking is you must not be getting enough protein if you're not eating meat because this is what we all think about. So what is your um, comment back to um, the protein conversation? There is a whole chapter in the book about the the protein cult, and I could go into the science of where this whole idea of excess protein came from, but with that, again, that's a whole separate show. But the short answer is this. Um, You only need about 10% of your calories to be protein, and 
It's actually better for you to get them from plants. Plants, if you eat a whole plant-based uh, diet, you're going to get 10% protein, give or take, without a problem. It's gonna, it just happens without counting. Um, there's no such thing as a protein deficiency ward in the hospital where vegans are sent. There's, it's not a thing. Um, people don't um, have an issue with protein deficiency. And if you eat a lot of animal protein, it stresses your kidneys, it stresses your liver, it's really hard on your body. And then, so then the next question I get, and I'll just dovetail into this because it's an important point, is people say, well, yes, but you have to count, right, and make sure you get complete proteins. No, I don't have to do that either. I'm going to get complete proteins just by eating a variety of foods. And, you know, if, if we had to eat the, our protein in exactly the right order of amino acids, you'd have to actually eat your own flesh. And even if you did that, your body would still take it apart and put it back together. So that's what happens when you take in protein. Your body separates the amino acids and puts it back in the order it wants it. And you're going to get plenty just eating a lot of plants. So you're saying that the plants have the protein that we need and, and we don't have to load up on, on eating meat three times a day in, in large, large portions. Right. So um, animals don't actually make protein. They're just protein distributors. So any animal you eat, I don't care what kind of animal it is, any animal you eat gets its protein from the plants that they eat. All of them. That's where they get their protein. They, and then they turn it into muscle, just like humans do. And when you eat animal protein, they've taken the protein from the plant. They've turned it into the muscle. They've added saturated fat and cholesterol. So you're, you're using a third party to get your protein, and they add the rider of saturated fat and cholesterol that you don't need. Hmm. Um, which is really interesting. You know, I, I find it difficult to tell people to cut out meat, especially where I am, but I do tell them to cut back. Um, a lot of time, you know, when I ask people how much they're eating, um, they're, you know, their steak is probably three or four times the size it should be. And then I hold my hand out and I show them the palm of my hand and I say, this is what my portion should be. So even if you're consuming meat, it's important to look at how much you're eating because you're probably eating too much. And I think that we've gone in that direction quite dramatically, probably helps us feel a little more full when we're eating all the <laughs> chemicals and fried food. But, we, you know, we're, we're eating too much. And I think this is it's also something our society does. We just go overboard with everything that we do and we, we've lost our balance. Well, that goes back to the point of um, so much of the food that we, we eat, when I say we, I mean we as a culture, is that hyper-palatable, tastes really good, designed to make a company money. And what they do is they make foods, these processed foods, that hit the bliss point. And this is what restaurants do too. They want to hit the bliss point. And the bliss point is the point where it has the exact balance of salt, sugar, and fat that turns off your body's ability to say, I've had enough. Please stop eating now. And because the more you eat, the more money they make. And unfortunately, so many of us don't even realize. We, we've, we've forgotten what it means to feel hungry. We've forgotten what it means to say, I've had enough, because we've been tricked by, by these um, food industry. I definitely agree. Um, we're going to take a break. We're talking today with Dr. Robin Odegaard, and we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Oh, 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 
You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi everybody, welcome back. Today we're talking with Dr. Robin Odegaard and her. she's a co-author of the book How to Feed a Human the Whole Food Muscle Way. So Dr. Robin, you and your, your husband who wrote this book with you are both athletes and um, you know I think a lot of people could be looking at this and going yeah it's probably easy for you because you've done a strict diet for a long time and all you had to do is change a couple of things. Uh, what's your response to that? Um, I, I don't think people realize um, how badly I ate when I was a competitive athlete, first of all. Um, I, mean, I mean, I was in my 20s, and I was going to, you know, beach volleyball tournaments where they had all the things that they have at beach volleyball tournaments. And, um, yeah, I thought about it, but to say that I, I was really restrictive and ate a great diet when I was competing, no, definitely, that isn't true. Um, I, and I do think that I have the same challenges that other people do. In, in the book, I talk about... I used to have a really big challenge with chocolate chip cookies, which I loved. And I'm so fortunate that since the book came out, I found a recipe for chocolate chip cookies that is plant-based. Now, they are not a health food. They are still a dessert, but I don't, I don't have to worry about the eggs and the, and the salt that's in them, and the oil that's in regular cookies. So when when you're um, talking about all of this, of course, a lot of people are thinking, well, you've got better willpower because as an athlete, even if you ate poorly as an athlete, you had the willpower to work out and be an athlete. And I have found that athletes have a, a different um, personality type that they can be as hardcore as they are to to be as competitive as they are. So do you find that, that that's a factor as well? Well, I think you're absolutely right that um, as an athlete, I have a different mindset. I have a different way of looking at the world. I'm definitely much more attuned to doing the hard thing now to get the goal in the future. So I'm, I'm much better at delayed gratification, I think, than a lot of people are. But when it comes to the whole food muscle way of eating, it's not about willpower. Um, and I, I try to tell people that one of the things that they have to stop doing is saying, well, I can't have that or I can't have this. Instead, um, look at it as I choose not to today or I choose not to at this moment because if you have to use your willpower, you're going to fail. Um, we all end up in a place with willpower fatigue and you know, decision exhaustion where we just have too much going on. All of our lives are so, so busy and you're, you only have so much willpower in your life. And by the end, this, you've probably had this with your clients. By the end of the day, people will say, oh, you know what? I do great for lunch. I do great for for breakfast, I do great with my snacks, but at night, all of it just goes out the window and I just can't anymore. And that is willpower fatigue. And so what we have to do is start training our brain instead of using our willpower to be able to say, oh, this is what I want to eat and this is what I don't want to eat and not say, I'm not having that because that's never going to work. Well, and so we have this willpower fatigue, but we also have another aspect, especially if somebody's really hardcore into the standard American diet, that that they're very addicted to what they're eating mm-hmm. and cutting it out, especially if they went cold turkey, as you said, um, is going to be really <laughs> difficult. Um, you know, cravings are, are called cravings because they're not decisions, they're cravings. So what do you do to help somebody get through that hump until those cravings disappear? Appear. So the first thing that we have to do is start recognizing, you know, what, what is causing these cravings? What's going on with that? So you, we, using smoking is a really good example because it's a, an addiction that people recognize. A lot of smokers, um, if they're driving in the car, they have to have a cigarette. If, if this happens, then I have to have a cigarette. And I find with a lot of people with their cravings, there are certain things that trigger those cravings. And they're, they're predictable. You can say, oh, if this happens, then I want to eat that. And uh, some of it's emotion, you know, especially in the United States, and I'm sure somewhat in Canada, maybe not quite as much, but certainly in the United States, we eat for everything. We eat if we're happy, we eat if we're sad, we eat if we're celebrating, we're eating, we eat if we're, you know, rejected, whatever, everything. If there's an emotion, we eat. And I think re- starting to recognize 
what emotions are tied to what foods, what behaviors are tied to what foods, what triggers a craving. Those things are so helpful. And I know it sounds really prefrontal cortex logic, whatever, but it really, really helps. Well, it's definitely very common in in Canada as well. I mean, people, food, you know, and I I think it's important to also recognize food is very ingrained in every culture. And so it is Uh okay to celebrate with it and to to do things. But um, I think if it becomes a a daily issue where you're you're stressed out and so you need to have this certain thing or or that kind of thing, there's something else going on for sure, like an inability to deal with your your stress or covering it up. And it's important to look at that aspect of of what's going on while you're making these changes as well so that you understand what your body's doing and that's one of the things it's one of the reasons why as a psychologist I feel like I'm I'm specially talented I don't talent is the right word equipped (laughs) to help people um, handle this because I recognize the psychological aspect of food it's not just the nutrition that I've studied but the psychological piece that comes with it as well and so when somebody, let's say they are dealing with um, more of a food is my, my crutch, what would you do to walk them through that? So, um, again, figure out where, where are they using it as a crutch? Why are they using it as a crutch? And what else is going on in their lives? I feel like a lot of people um, have let their lives get really out of control and they don't even recognize how out of control it is. You know, maybe they're in a job where they're being held accountable to do things over which they don't have the authority to actually do them. So they're completely out of control in their life. So they want to control their eating. And that can manifest in a lot of different ways. It can manifest in, you know, anorexic type eating. It can, it can be bulimic. It can be overeating. Like there's a lot of different ways that people take control in their lives over their eating when they don't have control in other places. So that's something we look at. Of course, their exercise is a huge component. Um, Exercise is a a big piece of managing stress and creating a healthy body. So we look at that. I look at their sleep. Um, There are a lot of people who brag, oh, I only need five hours. No, you can function on five. You actually need eight. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's something we look at as well. So do you find um, that sleep can be connected to the cravings and how much they're eating in a certain day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if you don't get enough sleep, your body is going to want to mitigate that problem by eating more, taking in more calories. So when college kids kind of know this instinctively, that if they don't sleep, they eat more and they can still kind of function. You know, the human body is amazing. You can pretty much treat it like anything for about 30 years and it'll kind of function. But after about 30 and especially as you start getting toward 40, you can't do that anymore. And, you know, people say, oh, I'm getting old. Well, you know, you just weren't treating your body very well previously. You maybe need to tweak that a little bit. So when you did this, I mean, you're obviously still doing it, but when you started doing this, you said before, you know, you weren't feeling so great. So what changes did you see in yourself when you started to follow through? So the the first thing that people started noticing and saying to me was, wow, your skin looks really good. Did you change something? And I was like, no, and I had no idea what people were talking about. And then after like the sixth person, I realized, oh, wait, I'm changing the way I eat. So that was the first thing that that other people noticed was my skin. Um, The first thing that I noticed was I stopped being miserable at night. Like I used to, my gut hurt so bad I couldn't sleep. Like I would lay awake at night feeling just bloated and miserable and that started going away. And, but it would come back if I, if I ate something that I was trying to move away from, then I would be miserable again. And I was like, Oh, well that's interesting. Um, So that definitely helped. And then I lost 15 pounds in the first 10 weeks. And people who knew me were like, I didn't even know you needed to lose weight, but I knew I was heavy. I knew I was thick. So that definitely um, made a difference for me. But kind of a real aha moment for me was when I went and got my blood work and my cholesterol had dropped 50 points. That was a big deal for me. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, You know, because you, as you said, you thought you were eating well and you're eating the Mediterranean diet. And then, you know, if you have high cholesterol, there's something wrong with with what you're doing Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, And the only place you get cholesterol is from animal products. So when you start eliminating them, your body has the ability to lower your cholesterol naturally without drugs, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So you have the Whole Food Muscle Club. What is that? 
So the Whole Food Muscle Club is an online kind of support place, and we have a lot of information on there, and we do um, monthly live webinar Q&As to answer any questions. People email us questions or they ask them live. So Russ and I, once a month, do a live Q&A. Um, there's a community page where people can, you know, put questions and interact with each other, and I put articles. So it's basically, it's really an online support group where people can come and and get information and learn and feel safe. Like there's no judgment. We don't allow trolling at all in our in our uh, club. It's just not something we allow. So it's it's a safe place to kind of make this change at your pace and, and get your questions answered um, and and learn. And it's so much fun to have people join. And then for your listeners, we have a, a special. They can go to wholefoodmuscle.com. So if they leave the word club off, just go to wholefoodmuscle.com. And they can uh, download our starter kit for free. And then they get a special offer for joining the club as well. Well, that's, it's pretty amazing because, you know, a lot of people do write books on diet. But I find most people, you know, they look at it and then they're like, I've, I'm having trouble following through and no one will do this with me. And a lot of people want somebody to, to do it along with them or coach them or help them. It's very hard to make that change by yourself. Let's say your your family doesn't want to do it with you or feels they don't need to. And, 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 and it can feel very isolating, as we spoke about in the first segment about going out and people are are you know not comfortable themselves with the choices you've made which can make you more uncomfortable if you don't have that backup and that support yeah and you can end up with people i have i've seen this happen too with clients is that they end up with people in their lives who are actively trying to sabotage them and you know that is that could again could be a whole separate show of dealing with people in your life who are trying to sabotage you and whether they're doing it purposefully because they want you to fail or whether they're trying to love you to death. I, I see that a lot because people use food as love and if they try to love mm-hmm. you with food that isn't good for you, then you know that's a problem and a conversation you need to have. Well, you know, and, and I, I mentioned this very briefly, but when I first quit eating sugar, um, that was the case. Um, and it wasn't on purpose. It was just people were really uncomfortable. And they're like, you know, just mm-hmm. having one piece of chocolate isn't going to hurt you. And I'm like, but that one piece of chocolate, if it's five times a day, every day it will. And that was my problem. And so I was trying to make that decision. But people are like, well, just go ahead and celebrate with us. Just have one. And I worked in this office where it was every day we had these kind of things happening so I had to say no celebrate but, but, yeah right let's say somebody brought this in let's have some and they were so uncomfortable that you know I was there and I was celebrating with them but I just didn't want their food and and I think that it because it's so ingrained in our culture and such a common thing that it's very difficult for people to see to see us make those choices in a different direction yeah, and that's a conversation that we have in the Whole Food Muscle Club pretty often where we help people kind of work through these conversations with their loved ones to, to say, how do I make this work for me? And and it's amazing how often when people start moving in this direction, they start feeling better. Those loved ones that were sabotaging suddenly want to come along. And that's, that is really rewarding when that happens. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, if people want to get a hold of your book, how can they do so? How to Feed a Human is available um, anywhere books are sold. They can, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. It, it's available at pretty much anywhere books are sold. Perfect. Well, uh, Dr. Robin, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I had a great time talking with you. It's a fun conversation. Oh, perfect. Thanks so much. Um, We were talking today with Dr. Robin Odegaard, and the book is How to Feed a Human, the Whole Food Muscle Way. If you want more information about my story and what I went through to get back to health, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest. And you can email questions to anantacalgary at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.